Welcome to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. I'm Molly, a former skeptic turned full-time energy healer and teacher. And I'm Madison, a born and raised witch running my family's crystal shop. And we're here to explore all things woo through the lens of both science and spirituality so that you can find the moments of magic in your everyday life and create an intentional spiritual practice. So if that's what you're into, find a cozy spot, take a deep breath, and let's demystify some magic. Howdy doody, friends. Welcome back to Zipod. Howdy doody. We are in rare form today. Fair warning. <laughs> we are very excited. We are doing a Q&A episode today, which this is our second Q&A episode. And to be honest with you, the first time we did a Q&A episode, I think we answered every single question we got. Yeah. And this one, we have so many questions. We had to we had to not answer some of them because this will be like a six hour podcast. Which I'm down for, but I don't know if I want to do that to you guys. <laughs> Our poor editor, Lily's like, please, no, not, yeah. not a six-hour podcast. I can't listen to these two for six hours. <laughs> yeah, mostly I don't want to put her through that. So today we are going to, we pulled some questions that we got asked multiple times or ones that we thought were really unique and fun to answer. And then there's a couple that we are just going to make full episodes on because we didn't realize y'all had so many questions about them. So we're going to talk all about spirit guides, tarot, oracle cards, what to do if you can't visualize the types of witches, what to do with your offerings after you... uh, you make them. <laughs> so answering some questions about the moon and uh, and some questions about us too. So we're very, very excited to dive into it. But first, we have a very exciting announcement to make. Can I get a drum roll on that side of the screen, Madison? <laughs> this is officially the six-month anniversary of Demystify Magic being out in the world, in your ears, in your hands. It's been about a year since we first sat down and came up with the idea for this podcast and just the community that has been built around this is unreal, like unlike anything we ever imagined when we thought like best case scenario of the podcast. So we wanted to celebrate you, celebrate what we've grown and give back to you in a way that we thought would be really fun. So we are hosting a giveaway over the next week. If you're listening to this live, we are going to be giving away something from both of us. So I will be giving away a ticket to my winter solstice Reiki ceremony, which is a 60-minute journaling guided meditation Reiki ceremony happening live on Zoom, but you can also watch the replay. You'll have that for a month afterwards. And Madison will be giving away her winter solstice candle, which what is the blend of that one again? So the winter solstice candle is a blend of pine, cedarwood, and coffee. And it is, to me, wintertime in a smell. It's like all of my favorite things. I'm a big Christmas candle girly. So I made that both with all of my witchy intentions and like a Christmas candle all in one. Like both of those things combined together for a really powerful spell candle that also smells like Christmas. Yeah. So we wanted to gift you both of those things so that you could use your spell candle in the winter solstice Reiki ceremony if you wanted to. So if you're interested in entering, all you have to do is leave us a review. Make it an honest review, okay? No butt kissers here. I allow butt kissers. <laughs> <laughs> leave us a review, take a screenshot, and email it to demystifymagic at gmail.com. We will put that email in the show notes. The last day to enter is November 27th, 2023. We will be announcing the winners on our Instagram at demystifymagic, but we will also email you directly if you win. No strings attached. You can enter from anywhere in the world. We would love, love, love to give these gifts to you. So send us those screenshots. Send us those reviews. Yeah, I'm so excited. The winter solstice 
is my favorite time of year. I'm also really excited for your Reiki ceremony, Molly. You always do such a gorgeous, wonderful, powerful meditation that I'm always really grateful for. So I'm really excited to share that with some of our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. When we did the fall equinox, I had my candle burning and I was like, oh, everyone should have one of these. (laughs) Before we dive into the questions, Madison, what was your magic moment of the week? All right. Another magic moment in which I am totally sucking up to you unintentionally, but we are so bad at gift giving. First of all, can we talk about this? Of that (laughs) we've been talking about our Christmas presents to each other for the past like two months, which you're the only person I'm so prepared for with a holiday. Same. But we both decided to move it up a little bit. You had a good excuse because my birthday is next week. And so it just got to become a birthday present, birthday miss, as we all call it. Obviously, everybody's favorite holiday. (laughs) I had no excuse and your Christmas present is fully on the way. I sent it off a couple days ago on November 9th. So (laughs) Merry Christmas, Molly. But you sent me the sweetest, kindest Christmas present, birthday present, birthday miss. There was a sweet little letter that came with it too. And you started it with, you are always so busy making ritual kits for other people. You made me my own ritual for a personal project that's really important to me and close to me that I promise I will be able to talk about soon. And trust me, once I'm able to talk about it, you'll be wishing that you lived in this period of time because I will not shut up. So... (laughs) It's true. It's true. You made me a multi-step ritual kit and hand made me, I'm pulling it out as if this is a visual medium, but you know, you hand made me my own meditation mala, which if you've never seen a mala before, there are individual knots between each bead. It looks like a, basically like a long beaded necklace. It's for the girlies like me who need something to do with their hands when they meditate. It's essentially a big beaded necklace that you spin the beads one by one in a circle and so I can't touch my phone because my hands are very busy (laughs) filling with these beads for me to meditate with and it is just the most beautiful thing I can feel all the love in it and I sobbed when I opened it (laughs) Molly and I got on zoom for a very (laughs) very business-like Christmas present opening and I cried like a baby it was so kind and I just love the people in my life And I love you. And it was such a magic moment. And I'm so excited to do this ritual. And I'm very grateful for you. And that was my magic moment. Yay. Before anyone asks, I will not be making and selling malas. I've only made like five in my life. And they're all owned by people who are very, very close to my heart. So I don't even make, I've I've never even made one for myself. Really? Yeah. That's so surprising. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was my first teacher and mentor gave me a mala and it was the most special thing that I own still to this day. And so it just became kind of a part of my like gratitude of people that are really, really special in my life. I just like make them a mala. It was very sweet and very kind. And I feel very honored to be 20% of the people you've ever made a mala for. (laughs) All right. What was your magic moment? Okay. My magic moment is not as tender as yours is. (laughs) I've been really coming in with the sappy magic moments. I got to like get it together. My magic moment is, okay, here we go. This was truly an act of fate. If there's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I am a peppermint mocha girly. I'm a peppermint mocha girly. I'm a peppermint mocha girly with tummy issues. 
Okay. So peppermint mocha season is my favorite time of year. I love it. But I have a really hard time finding peppermint mochas that don't hurt my tummy because I can't eat dairy without pain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so there's one brand of coffee creamer that makes an oat milk peppermint mocha creamer and they no longer sell it at the Target near me. So I literally have to drive half an hour each way just to buy it. That's how obsessed I am. So the other day I was driving back from somewhere and I was like, I could really go for a peppermint mocha. And so I stopped at the rest stop because I thought there'd be a Starbucks in there. And I know Starbucks announced their peppermint mocha rolled out early. The Starbucks was gone. It was gone, gone. Like no trace, no trace. But there was a Duncan next to it where it was. And so I said to myself, Duncan's not supposed to release their flavors for a few more days. They don't have peppermint mocha. But I go over there and I go to the kiosk where you could put in your order. And not only did they have peppermint mocha, but it's dairy free. (gasps) And so I got to enjoy a peppermint mocha latte when I thought all hope had been lost. And it was truly the most magic moment. Tis the season for magic moments. I'm so happy for you. I even had a peppermint mocha the other day in your honor. (laughs) I'm so grateful. I've had like six of them since then. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Oof. (laughs) I'm getting one right after this. (laughs) The other day, Molly made me a voice note and she said, I think little treat magic has gone too far. (laughs) I can't stop buying little coffees. At what point is it no longer a little treat and now it's just my routine? (laughs) And I argue that little treat magic should be a part of your daily routine. Agree. Agree. All right. You ready to get started on these questions? Oh, let's dive into these. All right. First up, how do I start communicating with my spirit guides and ancestors? Great question. I love this question. My answer is going to be annoying. And I know it's going to be annoying because if you're asking this, you've been told this before, I'm sure. But meditation is the best place to start. Mm -hmm. And it's not because meditation is anything fancy or elaborate or special that will connect you with your guides or whatever. It's because in order to connect with your guides, you have to get out of your head. When you are in your head, your brain, even if your guides are giving you signs or coming through, your brain's going to be like, no, it's just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Your self-doubt's going to get in the way. And so meditation or anything that brings you out of your head, out of your overthinking, out of your worry, out of your what if, what if, what if, into the present moment, into your body, into your experience, into your curiosity is the first step to communicating with them because otherwise you are just going to get in your own way. Yeah. I agree. I will also add something to do before you even bring in a meditation practice is to genuinely open an invitation to your Mm. guides and your ancestors. I find that even just saying out loud, hey, anyone who is, I heard this from one of my friends who also reads in the store, Anthony, he said, who also listened to the podcast. Hi, Anthony. He told me he says something along the lines of anyone who is healed, open, and willing, Hmm. I invite you into my space. Something along those lines. I'm sure he'll correct me. But healed, open, and willing, I found to be a really great invitation, especially if you're someone who has anxiety of like opening yourself up of what am I opening myself up to? 
Yeah. Being really clear and direct and saying, hey, if you're healed, willing, and open, I would love to start a communication with you. I would love to build a relationship. And even taking it one step further and like lighting a little white tea light candle Mm -hmm. and saying, this is for you. This is me signifying. This is an invitation. I'd like to start a relationship. Yeah. I tend to go with the phrase, please introduce me to my divinely appointed guide or something like that. Mm -hmm. You can make it up as you go. Yeah. I love that too. I think for ancestors, the word healed Mm, means a lot to me. pulls like that feeling of safety and security for me. I think if you're someone who has complicated family relationships, the idea Mm -hmm. of ancestors can feel heavy. Yeah. And one, I hold so much space for that. And two, you can decide not to work with ancestors. You know, like that can be a part of your journey as well. Don't feel like that says something about you. Mm -hmm. But I think that calms a lot of anxiety for me, setting that energetic boundary of not just any ancestor, not just any spirit, someone who is willing and ready to be helpful and is healed. Mm -hmm. I also love divinely guided. Yeah. Divinely appointed, divinely guided. Any of those phrases will work. And then just notice when you put that ask out there, when you put that invitation out there, can you stay in your center? Can you stay in your body? Can you stay in the present? Can you stay in curiosity? Or do you float up to, am I doing this right? Am I thinking too much? Am I blah, 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 blah. You know, like your brain does the cute little thing that your brain does because that's the way it's programmed. And so anytime you notice yourself float back up in your head, it's like, just take a breath, let it go, come back to your center, come Mm -hmm. back, come back to the present moment. And that's why I say like any kind of meditation will work for this. I know for me, when I was first connecting with my guides, I found it easiest to connect with them at the end of a yoga class in Shavasana Mm -hmm. because my body was quiet. So my mind was calmer. I was more open energetically and I felt like I was in like a safe space because I was like surrounded by other people. And so that's when I first started introducing myself to my guides. I also found that I have the strongest connection with them when I am getting a Reiki session for myself. They tend to come in and give me messages at that point just because I'm so open. I'm so relaxed. I'm so out of my head. I can accept what they want to share with me. So if any of those resonate with you, run with that. Yeah. All right. Next question. Do either of you use tarot slash oracle cards? What questions and spreads do you use? Any tips for beginners? What is the difference between those two decks? All right. Let's take these one by one. Yeah. The answer is yes. We do both. Do you do you use tarot or do you mostly use oracle? I use tarot, but I don't always use like the traditional tarot. Like Mm -hmm. the Akashic tarot is my favorite deck. That's Mm -hmm. the one I resonate most with, which I guess is technically a tarot because there's like a major and a minor arcana. Mm -hmm. But I never, I don't know. I haven't really resonated with like the Rider Waite deck or... Which is funny because that is the only kind of tarot that I am drawn to. I work Mm -hmm. very specifically with that imagery. I use a pretty healthy balance between tarot and oracle, but my relationship to each type of cards is very different. I think it's kind of funny because I have a little bit of a flip-flopped view of tarot versus oracle. Okay, tell me. So first of all, let's cover the difference between a tarot deck and an oracle deck. Mm -hmm. A tarot deck is... It's got an overarching theme. It's a journey through 78 cards. Usually like most decks will have 78. Some will have, you know, like plus or minus one or two. Some will incorporate a new one. But on the whole, it's 78 cards that tell a story. And from deck to deck, you're going to get a guidebook that says a different version of the same thing. 
Yeah. The cards are going to have a very similar overarching theme from deck to deck. So the idea is once you know how to read tarot, you can read any deck because you know what that card means. It's like an archetypal story. So if you think back to English class in ninth grade, there's like those story archetypes that, you know, different books or different movies or different plays would follow the same story, right? Like, so Romeo and Juliet is like the star-crossed lovers, you know, that have the ill-fated death at the end. That story gets played out in multiple different plays, movies, books, right? We could have, you know, think of something from like uh, popular culture, right? Like an episode of Friends follows the same story plot as like an episode from How I Met Your Mother and the same episode from like Gilmore Girls, right? It's the same story told with different characters. That's how I always think of like the tarot. It's like the same story, but might have different characters or settings depending Mm -hmm. on what deck you're using. Yes, I love that comparison. Whereas an Oracle deck, everyone who's ever made an Oracle deck is creating a different Oracle deck with a different guidebook. You're never going to see the same thing twice. It's going to be entirely up to the person who created that deck. And so I love that about Oracle in that you can really find a deck for any situation. And it's a really fun thing to collect, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's such a good segue into my number one tip for beginners, which is to find a deck that you feel resonates with you. I will tell you, I have so many decks that I can't use Mm because I pick them up and I'm like, what the hell does this mean? What is this? It's like, just like we were just talking about when I pick up a Rider Waite tarot deck, which is like kind of the classic archetypal journey, I struggle to read it Mm -hmm. because the imagery doesn't resonate with me. The symbology doesn't resonate with me. The different like wands and swords and cups and whatever, they just don't, they don't stick for me. But when I pick up the Akashic Tarot, it's like something about the imagery of that resonates with me. Something about like when I read in the guidebook what each card means and I look at the picture, it connects for me in a way Mm -hmm. that is like, I don't know, it just sort of like inherently clicks in. I will say too, like, The best readings that I've ever done for myself and other people are from decks that I just love. Like my favorite Oracle deck, I'm not kidding, is the Britney Spears Oracle deck. (laughs) I do the best readings from that deck Uh because I like I see the images of Britney and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what this image is telling me. I know exactly the story behind this image. And I have so much like depth to that story because I grew up such a big Britney Spears fan that I can sort of like connect my intuition with that message. I love that. And what's so funny is that is how I view tarot. Mm. So I think I resonate so much with Rider Waite imagery because if you see a Rider Waite tarot deck, no matter what, like it's very much different characters, same story, Mm -hmm. often doing the exact same thing. My brain doesn't work in like a, oh, five of pentacles means this. My brain works in, oh, this picture means this. Mm, Yeah. And so super abstract tarot decks I can't quite connect with because I don't know if it's ADHD or just like learning style or whatever it is, but I learned the tarot in a very narrative way that is very connected to those pictures. And for me, that creates a story through the imagery in a way that I think most people connect their intuition to an oracle deck. I know what all of the cards mean, but when I'm giving someone a tarot reading, that basic interpretation of the card is really a launching pad for my intuition, for my channeling. You've experienced this when I read for you. Yeah. I'll tell you what the card means, 
and where we start versus where we finish are two very different places, even based on just one card. Yeah. And it's the same advice for like communicating with spirit guides. Like it's the same skill. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to get out of your head Mm -hmm. and into your body and and into curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. Like because Madison, you could be sitting there and being like, well, the card means this, but I feel like I should say something different. And Mm -hmm. if you're in your head, you're not going to speak that other side outside of the card. And so the reading is not going to be as deep, not going to be as resonant. Mm Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And so I think that it does take a level of trust to get to that place with cards. And what's funny too is I don't think I have that trust with Oracle cards. And Mm. that's why they feel so flip-flopped for me because Oracle cards, because there are so many different ones and I work with so many in like such different situations that I don't know what all the cards even are. Yeah. Like not so, you know, what they mean is a whole nother thing. So I'm always reading directly from the guidebook Mm -hmm. and I have really poignant experiences with them. And I love having that experience. But tarot, because I see the same thing over and over, I think that gives me space to really into it and really like even almost scry in the cards. Yeah. See, I feel like I'm the opposite because I'm not comfortable reading the Rider Waite tarot. Mm -hmm. I don't do readings of it because I'm like, Oh, if I if I read with the Akashic Tarot, like no one knows what this card means. So I can mm-hmm. interpret it however that message comes through me. And I don't yeah. have to worry about anyone being like, well, that's not what the Three of Swords means, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I mostly read for myself, so. <laughs> yeah, but I do also, I've experienced that fear before too, especially like if you see readers on TikTok, which mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of TikTok Tarot readings. I don't really watch them or... I take them with a grain of salt if they come up on my view page. But then everybody has seen the people who will stitch those videos and be like, that's not what that card means. That's not what that card means. That's not what that card means. And not to say that they're wrong because they're not. And not to say that the person doing the TikTok reading isn't saying what they're saying to get clicks because they are. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're hearing your ex is coming back over and over on a TikTok reading, it's because people know that that's what will get them to watch the video. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of that, I think that teaches people that you have to take the card at face value. And so I have a complicated relationship with TikTok Tarot in general because of all of that. Like there's just a lot of nuance that I think gets lost in doing tarot readings for the collective on social media. And that's speaking as someone who, if you scroll back on my TikTok, you can see that I've done them in the past. (laughs) So that's why we're friends actually. Fun fact. This is a fun fact (laughs) that um, I don't think I've ever shared before but Madison the reason that I slid into Madison's DMs was because she was doing these like goofy little one card polls with Animal Crossing amiibo cards and she read me so hard and so well in that video that I was like That's so yeah, funny. we're friends we're friends now you we don't are, know it yet <laughs> we are connected on a soul level through Animal Crossing amiibo cards that is that is true I did do that and I did read them for you. And I remember like this was when I was back more active on TikTok and just being floored by how many people wanted an Amiibo card reading. <laughs> so I guess that really is a good segue into my biggest piece of advice for people who are starting to read cards is don't take it so seriously. Yeah. Read with your Animal Crossing Amiibo cards if you've got them. You know, like anything could be a tear deck if you try hard enough. That's my tip for beginners. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I know you've talked in the past about the one card poll, doing that Mm -hmm. every day. And we thought it would be fun if instead of like talking you through how to do one card poll, we both from our current favorite Oracle decks pulled a card for Mm -hmm. the collective. I have no idea what your card is. You have no idea what my card is. And we're just going to read them and then interpret on the spot just as we would with a one card poll reading. Yeah, let's do it. You want to go first or you want me to? I'll go first. Okay. So we'll post a picture of these on our Instagram too, at Demystify Magic, if you want to look at them. But I pulled from the Britney Spears Oracle deck. As I said, this is my favorite Oracle deck. And no, I'm not kidding. And I pulled the Boho Babe, which is a fairly recent picture of Britney. It's her in some white shorts and a blue off the shoulder top with a flower crown. And it says, one of Britney's favorite casual off-duty garments is the peasant blouse. She's been wearing them for years and often seen rocking a cropped version with shorts. Britney owns the bohemian blouse in a rainbow of hues to suit her every mood and tends to choose them when she's feeling carefree and happy. Trends may come and go, but Britney sticks with the pieces that she loves best, regardless of what's in. But life is about more than a favorite blouse, as transformative as clothes may be. It's about finding contentment in the everyday and discovering the magic in being yourself. (gasps) And the boho babe embodies all those important lessons. Let her spirit soothe you and her joy lead you to your delight. I felt like this was such a poignant card because it's so embodies like what we teach here where you know you can go on TikTok and see like the latest manifestation trend the latest full moon trend the latest tarot trend blah, 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 blah. but like what we at the core of what we want you to hear from us in this podcast is that you are the magic being yourself is the magic and so the more you can embody that in all areas of your practice whether it be tarot oracle meditation the more your spirit is going to be soothe. The more your practice will grow, the more consistent you will become, the more you will see the fruits of your labor. And I think the boho babe really like sums that up nicely. I love that deck so much purely because of like your love for it too. You've pulled many a Britney Spears card for me over the course of our friendship. And I feel like I can never buy that deck specifically because like the magic to me is watching you pull and getting Britney Spears cards from you. (laughs) All right. So I pulled from my current favorite Oracle deck, which is the Animal Apothecary deck by Kara Elizabeth. It is so, so gorgeous. So gorgeous. And funnily enough, I finished the last reading that I did for Molly. I finished with a card from this deck and I pulled the same card (laughs) when I was shuffling for this. And so... I had to put that one aside and be like, yes, I know. We get it. Molly's gotten that message. Don't worry. She knows. She's got it. And pulled a different one. So I pulled the starfish, which I have never pulled this card before or seen it. So we will all be hearing this for the first time as I read from the guidebook. So keep trying the starfish. The medicine of this card speaks of wishes being granted, but also the understanding that you will have to try again and again to receive what you desire. The process of trial and error will lead you to fulfillment. There is a story of a young maiden who prayed and prayed to the stars to heal her so that she could finally serve her purpose. She tried everything but failed to ever feel whole. One day, the young maiden received a starfish from the stars. She thought to herself, this must be what will heal me. The young maiden inspected the starfish, sang to the starfish, and danced with the starfish in hopes that it would heal her, but nothing happened. As a last resort, she took a small bite of the starfish's arm. Still, nothing happened. 
the young maiden cried out to the stars and cursed them for her inability to be healed. She fell to her knees and begrudgingly threw the starfish into the pond before her. As she wept in despair, her gaze fell upon the starfish subtly moving in the waters. As she watched it regrow the arm she had taken a bite of, the medicine of the starfish was revealed to her. It was at this very moment that she had a deep expansion of consciousness. By witnessing the starfish regenerate, she understood the message from the stars. She could heal herself. The ability to do this was not outside of herself. It was always within. This was when the young maiden began to heal. Whether you are healing, manifesting, or creating a meaningful relationship, starfish's medicine is to keep trying. Understand that all you deem to be failures led you closer to the right action. If the young maiden didn't take multiple approaches, she would never have been led to the answers that lie within. Which I feel like that card is quite literally this podcast in a nutshell, mm-hmm. which is so funny. It just said, keep trying. So we pulled the cards before we started recording. And I've been looking at that imagery thinking like, okay, like what could that possibly be about? Are you familiar with the starfish story? Have you ever heard that? No, that story that I just read. No, I've never read that No, no, before. no. The oh. starfish story, a different starfish story. It's called the starfish story. No. Can you tell it to me? This might be like a really deep cut, but it's very, very popular in the world of advocates for survivors of sexual violence, which is the world that I come from. And it's essentially someone is walking on the beach and there's hundreds of thousands of starfish that are on the sand. They came up with the tide and they are cooking in the sun. And this person is walking down the beach and one by one is throwing the starfish back into the sea. And someone comes up to them and says, what are you doing? Like, there's no way you're ever going to get all these starfish into the sea. Like, what you're doing here doesn't, like, matter because there's so many that are going to be out here cooked by the sun. And the person grabs the next starfish, throws it into the sea, and says, for that one, it mattered. Mm-hmm. And it was like this – it was always this story that was told to me when I was an advocate when when we felt really – dejected about like I can't save the world I can't rid the world of sexual violence like what is the point it's always like we do it for the one starfish in front of us and I feel like that's like it's so interesting that this I feel like it's two sides to the spiritual practice right like healing ourselves and really like restoring ourselves is one side and then like caring for the person in front of us or the next step in front of us, the next best thing we can do to help others is like the other side of the spiritual practice for me, at least. So it's interesting that the starfish is the image for both. Yeah. And that's that's almost exactly a story that they tell in AA about sponsoring. It's oh. a very similar thing. Someone very close to me is in AA, where it's this guy who goes to his sponsor and says, I've sponsored 100 guys and none of them stayed sober. Like, what's the point? What's the point mm-hmm. in continuing to go out there and continuing to try to help and continuing to go through the steps with these people? And his sponsor says to him, one person did stay sober. Mm. I love that imagery through. I don't know if that's relevant to keep in the podcast, but I love that story told. Same thing. Same story, different characters. Yeah, exactly. There's mm-hmm. the archetypal story. Uh-huh. All right. Now that we've gone through that deep, long rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. What are your tips for people with aphantasia is that how you say that word those who can't visualize anything people who don't have a picture in their head yeah my biggest thing is anytime you see advice to visualize don't try to 
<laughs> yeah. And what I mean by that is that we have, I would highly recommend going back and listening to our episodes on the different Claire's mm-hmm. to review that. But I see this a lot in my Reiki training program. I have a lot of people who've gone through Reiki training with other Reiki masters and they were only taught a visualization practice and it didn't land for them because that's not easy for them to do or that it's impossible for them to do because of aphantasia. And so then they come to me because I tend to teach yes, a visual practice, but also a practice that's more based in body sensations and a practice that's more based in the mind and like talking yourself through it like an inner narration. Because it's really important to me that no matter what your learning style is, no matter what your strength is in terms of your clairs, you are able to access that practice. So visualization does not have to be closing your eyes and seeing something. It could be, I don't know what this person is like trying to visualize. I'm, I'm going to take it from like a meditation standpoint, but you could gaze upon something, right? Like, so if it's like visualizing light coming into your body or whatever, you could gaze upon a candle flame and just imagine what it would feel like to have that heat come through your body. Or you can imagine different parts of your body. So like instead of visualizing your body, it's like, okay, can I feel the tip of my nose? What does the tip of my nose feel like? Can I feel my collarbones? What does my collarbones feel like underneath my shirt? Can I feel my hips and where they make contact with the chair, et cetera? Instead of visualizing, like turning more into the body and noticing more body sensations. And even like if you are someone who struggles with visualization, I did this with a client the other day, but you can play with it. So bring your thumb and your first finger together and look at them and rub them together and then just notice, okay, can I feel my finger and my thumb rubbing together. Yeah. And then fuzz your eyes out. So your gaze is kind of fuzzy. So your fingers are blurry. And just notice, can I still feel them? And then stop rubbing them and hold them still together. And notice, can I still feel them? And then close your eyes. Can I still feel them? And that's a technique you can use to kind of go from visual to landing in the body if that feels challenging for you too. But those are just a couple of tips that I have. Madison? That was exactly what I was going to say is focus on your other senses. You know, they say that when you're in a position when you where you can't see, period, your other senses become more heightened. Mm-hmm. Lean into that because I do believe that that is true psychically as well. Yes. The callback to the Claire's episode is a really great idea because I think that It's kind of the same thing as with clairvoyance, where we talked Mm -hmm. about how all of popular media shows psychic ability as clairvoyance. And so we tend to equate those things. Mm -hmm. And so we equate visualization with meditation or with ritual, with intention setting. Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, because I can't see anything, I can't do that. And that's just simply not true. So leaning into your other senses, mm-hmm. they are just as important, if not more important. Totally. Because I also think for people who do and can visualize mentally, that causes us to neglect those other senses. Whereas you can have a really full-bodied experience using more than one sense, regardless of what those senses are. Yeah. It's kind of like when you were a kid and you were taught to cross the street, right? Like, look, listen, and then wait, and then go. hmm right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's not just look, it's yeah. also listen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and sometimes we just forget that we have other senses. So yeah, play with your other ones, see which one's stronger, revisit those Claire episodes and if you're still struggling, send us a DM. Yeah. Okay. This is a question for you, Madison, because I don't know the answer. 
What are the major types of witches? What made Madison and her mom choose to identify the business specifically with hedge witches? Do you choose what kind of witch you want to be or is it innate and can it change over time? So there are more types of witches. For every adjective you can think of, there's a type of witch that goes with that adjective. So if I were to list all of the types of witches, we would be here for quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) Hedge witch is a pretty popular one. Lots of people identify as love witches. There are even like people who identify as death witches. Can I be a theater witch? Obviously. I want to be a Glinda. (laughs) Can you tell Molly listen to the Wicked soundtrack for the first time recently? (laughs) I specifically said we had to talk about this question because how my mom and I chose to identify the business specifically with hedge witches is a very funny, funny story. It was entirely against my mom's will. My mom will tell the story of she very much just woke up one day and knew that the store had to happen. And the name was very much a part of that. She was walking her dog in the middle of lockdown and it just popped into her head, the healing hedge witch. And she couldn't shake it. She couldn't, like something in her could not let her change the name. And I think my personal opinion, mom, as you're listening, as we, you'll hear me psychoanalyze you, I think that she needed it to be forced upon her. My mom has a lot of thoughts and feelings about the W word. I have to tell her all the time that she's a witch. And I don't know that she would have without this like feeling, this pull that came from spirit, in my opinion. I think that she had to have something so powerful that it could not be shaken, overcome her to align it with the idea of a witch at all. Mm. And I think that that is how she... My mom's a hedge witch. She'll say that she doesn't call herself a witch at all. She's a hedge witch. The woman loves a plant. This is where I get it from. But I also think that the store needed to be aligned with the hedge witch because it is such a welcoming and warm archetype. Mm. You know, what sounds sweeter than a hedge witch? I think of like a little hedgehog with a witch's hat and a What's, cauldron. So there is a business somewhere called the Healing Hedgehog. And when we first opened, Google would auto-populate that whenever anybody looked us up. (laughs) And so there are people who call the store the Healing Hedgehog. That's cute. It's very funny. And so for me, the store makes so much sense as a hedge witch because the store is meant to be a warm hug. You Mm -hmm. know, it is meant to be a space where people who are curious skeptics come to be welcomed in to this community. People who... Mm -hmm want to know what a spiritual practice looks like for them. I think as an archetype, the hedge witch is the most approachable person. Yeah. And so that I think is why against my mother's will, the (laughs) store had to be the healing hedge witch. So do you just get to choose what kind of witch you are? Yeah. I mean, some people, I think it depends on your definition of the word choose, right? That is another thing that feels very personal from person Mm -hmm. to person. I think there are people who believe they were born a hedge witch. Mm -hmm. There are other people who go in and out of different types of witchcraft. Also, you don't have to choose. You know, it's not like a Hogwarts house. Like you're not, you're not forced into a sorting, right? I'm a Hufflepuff witch. (laughs) (laughs) Puff witch. But you know what? Loyal to my core. (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not a mandatory part of a spiritual practice. Even mm-hmm. calling yourself a witch is not a mandatory part of practicing witchcraft. I didn't realize that, like, I don't call myself a witch. This is me being honest. I do not call myself a witch unless I'm, like, directly asked. 
or Mm -hmm. someone says, oh, so you're a witch when I explain what the story is and I explain what I do and I say, yeah, I guess so. But that's never really been a part of my personal identity until Mm -hmm. the store opened. I say I was a born and raised witch because I was. We just never called it that. Interesting. And so I think my biggest piece of advice for someone who is looking, like who is starting a spiritual practice and doesn't know what to call themselves is don't create another binary. You know, I think so much of life is finding identity words. And I think that those are super helpful. And so like if you feel really strongly called to the identity of of the hedge witch, totally. I understand and respect that. And I think that's great. Don't force yourself into an identity word just to say that you have one, just to say that you are something. Yeah. Because you are so much you more than that. You are you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you are you. I'm a Madison witch. You're a Molly witch. You know, like, hey. it is the least interesting thing about your spiritual cra- practice is what you call it, yeah. in my opinion. Snap, 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 snap. <laughs> okay. So someone asks, I was wondering what you do with the offerings you've already made that you're removing from your altar or removing from your money bowl. Do you just throw them away? Do you bury them outside? Yeah, whatever you want to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> There's no real like, I know we got a bunch of questions that were kind of in this vein, like different things that people have heard that you should do with them, like burying them far away from your house or like burying them under the moonlight. And like, there was just a bunch of like, do I have to do this? How far away from the house does it need to be or whatever? Yeah. Again, like, There's no rules here. (laughs) The thing that I would recommend is that if you are choosing to bury something, make sure that it's not going to harm the earth Mm -hmm. or the animals. So Mm -hmm. if it's something that is not, you know, made of natural type substances that will decompose naturally, don't chuck it in your garden. Salt too can like change the pH balance of a garden. So if it's like a bed of salt, maybe don't bury that. You can throw it out. To be honest with you, I usually like will throw my stuff either down the garbage disposal or down the trash can, depending on what it is. Mm -hmm. And when I'm doing it, I just say thank you. I just say thank you so much for your work. And I just chuck it and Mm -hmm. I don't think about it. Yeah. I think it's another thing that's so personal. People who are telling you that there's something that you should do, that's because that's what they feel they should do. And it's a part of their practice. Mm. You totally get to decide what the natural conclusion of an offering or a spell or anything is. Yeah. Anything that's like a food item, I like to put outside and give to the critters as long as critters can eat it. Mm -hmm. I know I've heard leaving them at a crossroads. If you are a person that jives with the idea of deities, leaving them at a crossroads for Hecate for the critters to eat, that's a great idea. Anything that you feel kind of like weird about, I would just toss. If you're nervous that it could harm something, toss it. You know, better safe than sorry. Yeah. If I'm ever burning something, so if I'm like releasing on the full moon, if I'm writing things down, burning them to let go of something, I'll flush the ashes down the toilet. Mm, smart. Like that. But also be careful with you, what you flush down the toilet. Yeah, I <laughs> My know. mom's other job is in machinery manu- manufacturing. They make the machinery that goes in plumbing plants, whatever. I don't know what they're called, but where filtration happens. And I've heard horror stories of things that go down the toilet. So be careful. Things that dissolve. Ashes are great. Anything else? Yeah. Be careful. I don't know. I'm not endorsing flushing things down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Overall, I don't think there's any like wrong thing. to. There's nothing like, like you're not going to reverse your spell or reverse your offering because mm-hmm. you threw it in the trash. I would just say like, just say a little thank you. Give mm-hmm. a little gratitude. Use your discretion. Yeah. And then chuck it. Yep. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. That's our motto here. 
Okay, we had a couple of quick questions about the moon. When my moon tracker app says the new moon is at 3.27 a.m. Central, what does that actually mean? Why is it such a specific time and how do they calculate it? We're going to answer part of this. We don't know how they calculate it. That's like something to do with like whoever decides when the moon is full and when the moon is new. There's, I'm sure it's like NASA or something is like tracking that in some way. There's some sort of complicated calculation that I'm sure you could look up. But essentially, when it says the new moon is at blank time, that's the peak. So when the moon is most new, so when it has the least amount of light or when the full moon is at blank time, that's when it peaks. So when it has the most light, when it is the most full. So each moon phase has kind of like a time when it peaks at that. And then in between that peak and the next peak, it's in a transition to the next phase. So whatever the phase after new moon is, (laughs) it's like in between those two times, it's transitioning to that next phase, right? Because the moon is a gradual transition. It's not like, you know, you sneeze and then it's full and then the next minute you sneeze and it's one quarter Mm -hmm. or whatever. Perfect explanation. (laughs) Wouldn't change a thing. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Does moon water expire? No. (laughs) No. Next question. (laughs) Yeah. The answer is no. I actually, this (laughs) question really sparked like a noodle of curiosity in me where I had to decide what I felt something meant where we were talking before we started recording and I was like oh if I have full moon water on my altar until the next new moon does it become new moon water I decided that it doesn't for me I decided that I'm still good if I still have some left over no I'm gonna continue to use it as full moon water because in my practice for me Mm -hmm. it's the intention of setting it out there Yeah, it doesn't expire. You can, I mean, I have a bottle of full moon water from July of 2022 that someone sent me. Oh, I love that. That I still use. It's like a dropper bottle. Yeah. Uh I'm like, great. (laughs) All right. Our last question. This is about us. So (laughs) I can't believe anybody ever wants to know about us as people. I'm like so surprised (laughs) when people ask questions about who we are and our friendship or when people acknowledge us as people in our dms which it sounds so silly i know it's bizarre we love it oh you want to know about us just two silly guys just two buddies sure (laughs) (laughs) two silly gals so this person wants to know how did you get into podcasting together what inspired you and made you take the plunge so first of all i've been begging molly to start a podcast since we met (laughs) full stop i've learned so much from molly and i think that really so much of that learning has been through the way that we are in conversation with one another and we are always like learning together. And as we've talked about, our main primary source of communication is voice note. We could make whole podcast episodes off of the voice notes that we had before we decided to start the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think the exact moment that it happened, we were having one of those conversations and you were really, I don't even remember what we were talking about, but I remember feeling like you had really opened my mind to something and a new way of thinking. And I said, you really need to start that podcast. Like, I think that people would really enjoy learning the way that I'm learning from you. And you were like, I will not start a podcast by myself. You have to do it with me. (laughs) You were like, I will start a podcast if we start a podcast. Yeah. And I said, okay, fine. Twist my arm. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the exact... So I do this thing because I have ADHD and also I'm fascinated by learning new things is I go on these rabbit holes 
And I think I remember the conversation we're having. I don't want to out the author, but I was rereading a book that I used to recommend because it was recommended to me. And the author lived in Florida. So I was talking to you. And we both decided that even though we could not put our finger on why, this author had Mm -hmm. turf energy. And I was like, I cannot recommend this book anymore. And we need to do a deep dive on why. And so we just went Mm -hmm. in the book, on the internet, down a rabbit hole about this author. I do remember this. To find out why we were feeling this like weird energy about them. And then we started talking about like sort of like spiritual authors in general and like how people talk about spirituality in books and how like whenever there's this like dichotomy of like you have to do this you have to do that it like it just feels gross and I think that's like what we've always thought of like going into this podcast is we don't want you to walk away with just our practice repackaged Mm -hmm. as yours like I would rather give you the annoying answer and help you figure out the answer on your own than tell you this is what you do. This is what you do. This is what you do. And frankly, if you want a resource that's going to tell you what to do, there's 17 million other options out there. But I think the true benefit of a spiritual practice and the true joy of a spiritual practice is when you get to know yourself. And the only way you can do that is by approaching it through curiosity and not just learning from people who are going to tell you what to do a b c d e f g etc like giving you the exact map to get where you're going instead like we want to teach you how to build the map yourself Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I think really like what inspired us to take the plunge was realizing that we could hang out and spend time together and have these conversations that we were already having and call it work (laughs) (laughs) yeah It is. It's been really fun. I think this is like we're coming up on a year of every Monday sitting down for like two, sometimes three or four hours just shooting the shit. It's so funny (laughs) thinking about how when this podcast comes out, it'll be six months of the pod and how Mm -hmm. much it feels like one, I can't imagine ever not doing this with you. Like I can't imagine my Mondays without my regularly scheduled meeting. And Mm -hmm. also how it feels like it's been 45 seconds. Like, I feel like I blinked and we got here, but also I I don't know what I was doing on Monday afternoons before it was us hanging out. And I have no idea. How did we get to this place of friendship without being on Zoom for two to three hours? Like, I just, I can't even remember our friendship without it in the weirdest way. Yeah. And I think it's just because we were having this much, like, it was just this much contact, but spread out throughout the day. And now we've just condensed all of our friendship mm. time. Yeah. Although we are still spread out. I mean, the other day I was walking to the store with my husband and he was like, all right, you, me, and Madison are going to the store because I was just voice memoing you the Last entire night, afternoon. My boyfriend, I was like listening to you as I walked up to him, like up to his house. And he goes, so what's Molly up to this evening? <laughs> what are you guys gabbing about? And I was like, oh, Taylor Swift, obviously. Obs. Oh boy, this was fun. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. We, like I said, we're saving a bunch of them for whole episodes. But if you have a question, if this sparked a question, remember that we have a form in our show notes of every single episode. You can always pop a question down there and then we go through them when we do these Q&A episodes or it inspires us to make whole new episodes. Yes, and let us know if you enjoy this format. If you like a Q&A, 
I have so much fun when we do these. So I would love to do them more often. They're really fun. So if you guys let us know how you feel about them and we will adjust accordingly. Yeah. And don't forget to enter the giveaway. Yes, yes, yes. Please, please, please. Leave us a review. Email the screenshot. The email is in the show notes. You have one week if you're listening to this when it comes out. November 27th, 2023 is your last chance to enter and win that solstice candle and a ticket to the winter solstice Reiki ceremony. Love to see you there. Love to see you there. I can't wait. Okay, friends. Bye. Thanks for listening to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. If you want to learn more about us, you can find all our links in the show notes. We'd love to know what you think of today's episode. So drop us a review or give us a shout out on social media. And don't forget to let us know your magical moment of the week. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.